Hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Maria Roa, and I'm delighted to be joined by Gregory Tuhig. Greg is a driven and enthusiastic marketing professional with experience across B2B sales, brand management, and content creation. Greg works as a marketing solutions manager at Vistatech. He's also the program director for the Think Global Forum and creative director for VTQ Magazine. Greg, you are very welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Let's move on. I have a number of areas I would like to discuss today. You have been working for quite a few years in the localization industry. This career choice was always your dream or just a coincidence. Tell us a little bit about how you started and what would you like, what do you like about this industry? Um, just a little bit about my background. Um, so I have a master's in marketing and I, I worked in some marketing roles and business development roles um, before joining Fistatech. Uh, but when I joined Fistatech, I didn't really know much about the localization industry at all. Um, and the more I learned about it when I started, um, I kind of realized how important it is, first of all, um, but also how much of an unsung hero it is, um, because I knew so little about it, but it's everywhere. It's all over the world. Every brand needs it. Every international company needs it. Um, to some extent, they really do. Um, and then, you know, with my background in marketing as well, it kind of, it aligned very well because the whole idea of localization is about how do you want your company represented across the world? Um, and how do you want to represent in each locale? So it's kind of a central idea that, you know, marketing and localization kind of aligns. Um, so I found that really interesting and quite exciting because it was a whole new, it was a whole new avenue of marketing that I never really knew about. Yeah, I think it's funny you said you didn't know what the localization industry was when you started because the same thing happened to me, you know, like I found out about the role and they told me it's localization industry and I was like, what? What is that? I've never heard of it. I've been working 17 years in marketing and I didn't know this industry existed. Yeah. Maybe we need to do some uh, Vista talks about what is localization or why do we need it? Because yeah. I really think everyone should know more about this industry because it's so important. Yeah, and for anyone joining the industry, it would be so, I think it's so useful to just have a, a beginner's guide to localization as well. Yes. Like I, could have, yes. I learned everything that I could when I started, but um, it was it was a steep learning curve because there was so much that I, I didn't know about it, but now I, I know a lot more than I did. Yeah, 100%. They, they told me, well, just think about it as if it was a translation industry. But once I got in, it's so much bigger. I mean, it's not only about translation. And as you said, it's really important. So yeah, we should do something like that. We should work on it. Yeah. Anyways, um, since we are talking about localization, uh, I did find out also now that I'm just joined that this is the world's most culturally diverse industry. Is it as inclusive as we think? What do you think could be done in terms of inclusivity? Uh, I think as an industry, localization is quite diverse um, because the whole idea behind localization and a central purpose of localization is to break down barriers and to make information more accessible um, across the world. Um, so I think from that perspective, I think um, diversity 
you know, it's achieved in localization, but it's actually very important to the actual business aspect um, of the company, which is really interesting. Um, I think there is obviously, you know, more can be done, um, not just in the localization industry, but I think in a lot of industries across the world, um, you know, more can be done in terms of gender balance um, and, you know, different cultures. So, I think there's obviously still there's still work to be done across the world, but I think the localization industry has um, a really good head start with um, diversity. And as well as that, it's a very female led industry mm -hmm. so in terms of gender balance. It's great because it's um, there's already more progress there than maybe other even even in the technology industry and, um, you know, a lot of digital business um, they're they're making a lot of progress in terms of the gender balance. Um, but I think localization is is kind of ahead in that regard. Yeah, I think it's, uh, as you say, it's not that the industry is inclusive or needs to be, sorry, it's not that it needs to be inclusive, it's that it is inclusive because yeah. we do need people from all around the world, every ethnicity, every religion, whatever, just to get to the clients, prospects that other companies want and need. I think it's great, actually. I think it's one of for sure one of the most inclusive industries I have ever met. Yeah, and it, it's like, it, it's it's definitely the most inclusive industry that I've, I've worked in. Um, and you, even just in small ways, um, like the people that you work with every day yeah. can be anywhere in the world, which is so cool. Um, you know, pre-pandemic when we were in the office, it was really great to just, you know, hear so many different languages being spoken around you, mm. people from loads of different countries. Um, and I, I had never experienced that before, such a like culturally diverse workplace. Yeah. Um, and I really love it because I think people, I think people are just a bit more open to collaboration and working in different ways as well, because different cultures, you have different, you know, procedures or different opinions on how something should be done. And in an industry like this, you have to be open to learning and you have to be open to other people's ways of doing things and you know learning how to meet in the middle somewhere or you know doing something that you never you might not have done a certain way and um, yeah. so I, I really like that as well because I, I get to learn a lot from people yeah there is so many things we can learn about people who are different from us in any way it's yeah. I think that's amazing also uh, I would like to talk to you about uh translation technology it, there's been a lot of talking going on lately. What impact do you think it will continue to have on the localization industry? Um, well, I think it's it's definitely a hot topic right now. Um, I think from the outside, it looks like, you know, there's a lot of talk about machine translation and there's a lot of progress in that area. Um, so I feel like that will continue, but it's hard to know exactly how the human element of that will play in or do people, will people ever fully trust machine translation? Is it possible? Because mm -hmm. um, there, there will always need to be a human element of some kind. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not an expert in this area, but that, that's what it looks like from a, from a non-expert perspective anyway. I don't know what you think about it. Well, I, I do think, as you said, the human element cannot be missed. We would still need it. I think technology is really great for um, things that are done uh, the same way always, but that's something that 
doesn't happen in translation. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say that, but as a Spanish speaker who watches movies in English, French, Portuguese even, uh, sometimes I do leave on the subtitles in Spanish and I recognize it's completely wrong because the same word, like uh, for example, in Spanish, earring and pending, it said, it, you use the same word. Right. And sometimes if the, if the sentence is really short, it's really complicated for a machine just to guess which one you're saying. So mm -hmm. I did see something like, this is earring. No, this is pending, you know? Yeah, I know yeah. it's it sounds weird, but for me, I think the human factor will always need to be there, at least to check that the machine did their job properly because these type of things can happen. Yeah, exactly. I think you always need to have the context of what the word is in. And if you don't have that, then the translation is going to be, um, you know, yeah. it's good quality. It's, it could be completely wrong. So, yeah. So it's yeah. And in localization, there is so much more apart from translation, as we said, you know, you need to know specifically in each country which words are used. In Spanish, we do not use the same words in Latin America yeah. than in Spain, not even in Latin America, just like Colombia than Spain. Some words that we use for them are like naughty words or something. And for yeah. us, it's just like something normal, you know? And the same thing happens backwards. So you really need to take that into account too. It's not only translating words at the end. Yeah. Very true. Um, I know that from I'm, I'm learning Portuguese at the moment um, oh, great. and I'm, I'm still at a very basic level. Um, but, you know, the, the people in my life that um, speak Brazilian Portuguese are always <laughs> telling me about the differences between Brazilian Portuguese and European Portuguese. Yes. And, you know, it's one of those things that there actually are quite a lot of differences. Um, just the way that people speak and um, the words that they use um, it's it's very different. So it's kind of interesting to see this other whole new element of, you know, yeah. differences between, you know, one country and another. It's, it's similar to like US English and, you know, UK English. Um, but I think there's probably even more differences. Do you know, I, I actually have like, <laughs> quite a funny story that happened just by translating words. That is when I first went to live to the States, I was only 16, I knew no English. Well, I had learned in, at a school, but I learned like window table and stuff like that. Didn't even know how to pronounce it. So I remember one day, remember 16 year old me going mm -hmm. to my host mother in Kentucky, which <laughs> crazy, I ended up there, but uh, going there and asking her, do you have and she was like, I swear, like the surprise face that she had was like crazy. And she's like, oh, you mean a rubber band for your hair? And I was like, no, <laughs> normal rubber. And she was like, a normal rubber? Maria, do you mean an eraser? And I was like, no, a normal rubber. You know, I didn't know in English. I mean, I knew the basic, basic words, pencil, table, rubber. So, and she's like, okay, let me see what you need it for. And I was like, come, come and took her to my room. I think she was so scared of what she could find there, you know, because at the end, rubber does not have the same meaning in the States that in uh, England. And I had learned British English. So she was like, oh my gosh, she's taking me to her room. She needs a rubber. Oh my goodness. What is she doing? She's only 16. And I open and I show her my drawing and I'm like, rubber, 
normal rabbit. And she was like, Maria, you need an eraser. Do not say that word ever again here. You know, do not ask anyone in class for a rubber because that means condom. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think really, like, as I say, machine translation can be great for some things, but the words that are just not the same, they don't mean the same, even if it is the same language yeah different countries so we we for sure need to check into that yeah definitely well uh i would like to also talk about the think global forum i know you're the program director could you explain to our audience what is the forum and your role in it yeah sure so at uh, think global forum is the vista tech's thought leadership and events program and um, it was set up a few years ago by simon hodgkins our cmo um, and the founder of the Think Global Forum. And um, it's really a community platform or it's a way that people can engage with each other and network among the industry. And um, so what we do is we host a lot of events um, across, I mean, we, we've held events across Europe and in the United States as well. Um, and it's really about getting people together, giving them an opportunity that they wouldn't normally have to network with other people in the industry. We get speakers in and we usually have a team or a few different topics or we focus on a specific industry um, in each event. Um, and then it's really just about sharing ideas. We have a boardroom session where people can, you know, come and talk about it openly and freely, um, which, you know, it, it's really great because people really appreciate it as well. Um, because there's not a, there's not an awful lot of um, events like it in the industry. So I think people really appreciate the opportunity to get that. Um, and about my own role, I mean, since since I joined Vista Tech, um, I've I've been to a lot of the events. I've gotten to meet a lot of clients, which is great. Um, I'm kind of very much in the background, helping out with our events manager, trying to you know make sure everything is everything is in order and organized. Because um, it you know it takes a lot of preparation um just to get to give the marketing team some kudos we do put in a lot of a, a lot of effort into those events and um, of course that was pre-pandemic and um, when we were able to have um, in-person events and you know nowadays in the within the past two years um obviously everything's moved online and we've had to maybe rethink how we do things we've had opportunities to do more than ever before because you know we're not limited by having to have a physical room and having to get people there there's obviously no travel costs and stuff like that and mm -hmm. um, so in some ways we have more opportunities to invite new people in and get people more involved because it's easier for them to fit that around their schedule um, so, you know, I think, you know, we had such a huge attendance rate at the Think Global Forum Summit week last year, mm -hmm. which was held in, in March online. Um, and, you know, we had basically a different speaker every day. We had a different panel every day um, and focusing on kind of like a different theme. And it was great because some people, you know, attended so many uh, each day. Some people could only attend one. So people were able to just join in when they could in their working day, um, which, you know, I think speaks to how different the world is now that we all work from home the majority of the time. Um, but again, it's just it, it's just a bit getting people together and, um, you know, trying to learn something from one another which i think is really powerful 
It is for sure. Now that you're talking about virtual events and remote working, I know that Vistatech has been um, has been having remote working as a constant since the start of the pandemic. What are the benefits for this model? Um, do you think this has impact your work in any way apart from virtual events? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the way that I work has definitely changed um, because on one hand, you you know, you don't have a boundary between work and home. And um, so it's important to kind of set those boundaries for yourself and um, so that, you know, you're not like checking emails late in the evening when, you know, you wouldn't usually be. And um, so you know, you have to be more conscious of that and um, working from home. And I think it's actually a very powerful thing at the same time, because, you know, you can work a lot smarter than you did, than you've done before. And um, so, you know, if you can do your job working from home, there's no reason why you need to be in an office. And um, there's no reason why, you know, you're even more or less effective depending on where you are if you can do if you have your laptop if you can work from home and be the same level of you know professional and productive and um, then I think it's really a great thing and I think it's something that a lot of companies if they haven't already realized they really need to realize that this is important and it's something that they need to focus on yeah yeah and you know obviously there's you know since there's been more progress of you know people going back to the office and um you know being able to work in a hybrid model or maybe a rotational model or something like that it does pose some challenges as well to um, companies because if everyone can work from home do they need to continue you know paying for a, a renting out an office or you know paying for a property um especially you know if it's hybrid you might only have half the people in the office at one time um, so there's all this empty space um, so it's something that I think um, people need to think about as well and companies do need to think about that it's a bit of a challenge um, that companies need to overcome yeah, I, think I, don't, I don't really know what the answer is but yeah I think the office space needs to be rethought you know like I think the part that I miss the most about not having an office uh, is meeting people in person, you know, being able to say, oh, I'm going to have a break. I'm going to have a Coke. Do you want to come with me to the machine, you know, and just like yeah. talk for five minutes about something else. When you're at your house, it's like you're completely focused all mm -hmm. of the time. You cannot, I mean, like you can chat with someone, but it's uh, virtually, it's not the same for me. So yeah. I think maybe office space should be thought about a place of reunion, for workers, for employees, mm -hmm. uh, somewhere that we can meet, I don't know, once a week and see each other again, you know? Yeah. I think that that would be cool. I, I really do not think we do need a desk, a table or something in an, a specific place to work properly. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose it's worth mentioning as well, the emergence of um, shared working spaces or co-working spaces. Yeah. Um, like there's definitely in Dublin there's been a few that have opened in the past couple of years and I have a feeling that they might become more popular or there might be more of a demand for those um, because it kind of it does solve the problem of you know do we have a physical working space or do we just all work from home but we you know have a shared working space that you can just go to have meetings maybe a couple of times exactly. a week um, I think that'll probably be uh, a lot more of a you know a viable solution yeah 
So it'll be very interesting to see how that progresses. Okay. Well, and this is one of my last questions, I promise, but you being a marketing expert, I can help to ask, how do you see marketing changing in the future? And how do you think this will impact the work we do? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I suppose with all things, I think technology and the way that marketing teams use technology is, is going to really have an impact and it has already. Um, you know, from my own experience in marketing, when I look back to when I joined um, VistaTech three years ago, um, when I joined, I thought we had a really good uh, marketing tech stack, which, you know, is basically a, a term for all of the technology that a marketing team can use to make themselves more efficient. It's kind of like their custom solution of how, to, how they get their job done every day. Um, and I thought we had a very good grasp of that, but now it's completely changed my opinion. I think now we've leveraged it way more than I even ever thought was possible. I think we've um, really carefully chosen and kind of reviewed all of the technology that we use, the different software like email marketing platforms, you know, CRMs, um, creative design tools, um, you know, event platforms, virtual event platforms, platforms that we use for you know the think global awards um there's a lot of stuff that we need to always have a grasp on mm -hmm. but the other side of that is you can also have too many platforms or <laughs> nearly have too many solutions that all do one tiny thing and, and it all kind of feels very separated and so I think what's important for marketing teams is to dedicate the time to really streamlining and kind of cutting the fat off and the, the software that you use um, because otherwise things can just get really all over the place and really messy. Um, I think another key thing that we did, which completely changed the game for us was um, we hired a technical marketing executive. Um, so uh, we have uh, our technical marketing executive, Jordan, um, who has done a fantastic job of um, reassessing all of our processes and he's really focused on efficiency um and we all are kind of focused on how do we make our lives easier how do we make it happen is just that we don't need anymore um so i think that is really powerful for you know any marketing team that's listening um you know i could recommend a lot of different tools but i think the first thing you need to do is figure out what you need um, and then work, you know, forwards from that. If you need to hire somebody specifically mm -hmm. to work on technical marketing, I think that's, you know, a really good step to do um, because it, it really has changed it for us that we have, you know, we kind of, we can all throw ideas out there, but we have somebody who's specifically focused on improving that technology um, and the technology that we use. And, um, yeah, I, I just think it's it's important to know what you need. <laughs> For sure, 100%. Well, is there anything else you would like to share with our audience today? Um, well, I just want to say that keep an eye out for all of the exciting projects that we're working on. Um, you know, there's so many that I can mention, but the important ones right now is, you know, VTQ, our magazine. Um, we've just released our newest issue. Mm -hmm. um so definitely check that out on vtqglobal.com 
uh, the Think Global Awards, um, which is also another very exciting project. We, we just, um, we're just in year five now, which is a big milestone for us. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll continue to grow, I'm sure, in the future. So definitely check that out as well. Um, and yeah, in terms of all of our other brands, um, check out the Think Global Forum and Vistatech and, you know, keep up to date with everything. And Vista Talks, of course, where we have a lot of, of new episodes all the time. Yes, actually, we do. I think I'm super excited about Vista Talks. You're my first guest, so thank you for yeah. that. Uh, this is the Honor. end of today's show with Gregory Tuhig. Please make sure to tune in again to see or listen to the next Vista Talks shows, where we will be discussing more interesting topics with interesting people from all around the world. Thank you, Greg. Thank you.